This podcast was recorded live during our live streams every Wednesday where we do boxing news on YouTube and Twitch. So check that out if you want to see the video version. Or if you want to be part of it, stop on by and talk to us about boxing. With that said, let's get into the episode. What's going on? How's everyone doing? It's Wednesday. It was like 40 degrees today, so it was actually pretty nice here in Minnesota. All right. So we're going to talk about everything. We're definitely going to be talking about Crawford and uh, this lawsuit, of course. But first, we're going to go from the lightest to the heaviest in news. We are going to spend a lot of time talking about Crawford. This is a big deal, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of news uh, going on, and some really interesting tweets, which are also very newsworthy. So, let's start off. First one off the bat, a little bit of a downer. Not gonna lie to you, and that is Gary Russell Jr. We just found out that his father had his foot amputated. Now his father is was his head trainer. For his career um and so that's really sad his his dad had complications because he has type 2 diabetes and had to have his foot amputated it's been really tough for gary russell uh he says it's been a little bit chaotic in the gym for him getting ready for this fight i feel really bad for him uh and hopefully speedy recovery to his dad but kind of sad news there and i'm sorry to hear that so next moving basically the same weight class interesting side note Chris Stevenson tweeted out that his next fight is going to be a surprise and that it could make him pound for pound now a lot of people were saying Loma Valdez some people are saying Cambosis I don't understand why you'd predict that like he'd get that title shot. But it is interesting. I'm I'm willing to bet more than anything it being at 130 and saying that you want to be ranked pound for pound. I'm going to assume he's going to be trying to go for Valdez. It'd be the it'd make the most sense. I could see some people it wouldn't make you pound for pound. Some people brought up, you know, Leo Santa Cruz. I mean, at 130 I doubt, I really doubt it's going to be Loma at 130. Loma's very fixated on Cambosis, and we're going to talk about Cambosis. So Valdez makes probably the most sense. I'm very interested to see if he gets that. So I'm very curious to see what this fight's going to be, possibly. The next story is our good friend, Roly. He has been cleared of all allegations and the investigation is closed. So I dug into the story a little bit more and basically what happened was the allegations were about two years old or the incident in the allegation was about two years old. There was no physical evidence, obviously. So that makes it kind of tough to begin with. On top of that, from what I read, it seemed as though Rolly made advances. The girl said, stop. He stopped. So it technically did not fit the criteria of what was being alleged. So Rolly is cleared. And that means he is a possibility for this spring. I would not be shocked. If Roley gets the tank fight, would not be shocked. And that's correct. The, the boxer formerly known as Roley. My goodness, his Twitter has just been crazy. <laughs> so, interesting news there. But he has been cleared. Technically, he has been cleared. I think, if anything, it's... 
must be frustrating in terms of he was going to have a huge fight with Tank, obviously. So let's see what he does, because according to his Twitter, which we'll review, he's a painter now. He, he is left boxing. He is for, now he is formally the boxer, formerly known as Roly, and he is a full time painter now. <laughs> so make of that what you will. Moving up to 140. Little bummed about this, but still not too bad of news. Pedraza versus Ramirez has been postponed until March 4th. You know, I'm okay waiting for it. I'm fine with waiting for it. Low bummed out we have to wait for it. But this is a hell of a good fight. Hell of a good fight. I have to say Pedraza's looks so much better at 140. He's looked so much better at 140. Looking sharp. Ramirez is obviously on the rebound. Let's see how he looks. But, I mean, my goodness. This, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Good solid fight. Okay. Now, let's have the conversation. That is the main topic. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I forgot one other thing. And that is Cambosis. Says in May, it's either looking like it is going to be Haney or Lomachenko. Sorry, I almost, almost passed this story up. That to me is huge. I think either fight is a big fight, obviously. If, if it's Loma, that is a very dangerous fight. Extremely dangerous fight to have. To fight someone that doesn't have a belt. I would not make that. I would not make that fight. That would not be my primary choice. Because if you're going to fight. Um, and you're going to take risks. Probably. Probably not what I would do first. I would probably try to get undisputed. That would probably be my primarily my primary objective. So that's that's where I'm I'm thinking he's probably gonna go with Devin Haney. That makes the most sense. So I'm I'm gonna assume that that's what Cambosa is gonna go with is probably Haney. I I would imagine if you're gonna take the biggest risk, I, I mean both of them are dangerous. Both of them are, are not an easy fight. With Lomachenko, I think you have a little bit more of a resume there to kind of be a little bit nervous about compared to Haney's resume. But Haney, obviously, being a little bit being bigger, still dangerous, young. If you're going to take the risk. You're going to go big fight. You might as well go undisputed. That's my general take on that. General take. I think that that's probably where Cambosis wants to go. And then afterwards, if you want to go for Loma, you can do a Loma fight. But if you're going to take big risks, might as well try to go for Undisputed. Might as well go for Undisputed. Okay. Let's get to the main topic. And I got to be careful about this topic because it can be kind of sensitive to some people. So Terrence Crawford is suing Top Rank for breach of contract, and he claims racial bias. Okay, so I'm going to lay out all the facts and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. So in a quote from Crawford. He had this to say about it, and this is in the formal allegations and everything. Said top rank a company with zero black executives and only two or three black employees refuses to admit that it does not care about support or know how to promote black fighters. That's the official statement from kind of Crawford on it. Obviously, there's a lot of people that have opinions about this. Okay. 
So, first and foremost, the first thing people kind of bring up when they're talking about this is the fact that Bud re-signed a contract. He re-signed a contract with Top Rank. And why would you do that if you felt this way all along? Or if you've had this kind of feeling? Has things changed since you've re-signed? I'm kind of surprised he did re-sign, to be honest with you. But that's kind of one thing people point out. Another thing people point out is that Bob and Top Rank have a history of promoting every single kind of fighter of every kind of race and nationality. Muhammad Ali, Hagler, James Tony, I mean, like James Tony, I mean, Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, like Cotto, like they have a history of kind of promoting everybody of every race so and making them all superstars so some people kind of point to that and are like well this is ridiculous so those are what some people will say when the initial kind of reactions to it now my kind of first thought was this is a really hard claim to make it's a really hard claim to prove. Unless there's some kind of hard evidence you have to prove this, this is a really, really hard thing to bring to court and win $10 million, which is what Bud is asking in terms of damages because of this. To add to this all, you are going up against top rank. And Bob Arum, I don't know if everyone knows this, is a lawyer. He has a degree from NYU and from Harvard in law. So he is a skilled lawyer. That's how he started in boxing. Okay. Now, to add to that, to make things even worse for Bud's case, Floyd has sued Top Rank before. Manny has. Oscar has. Cotto has. A bunch of big stars have tried to go to court with Bob and Top Rank. They have all lost for various reasons. Not necessarily this reason. But they've all gone to court and they've all lost. So you're not going up against someone that's an easy target to begin with to have a lawsuit against. Then to make this kind of claim that is hard to substantiate without hard evidence or proof is even harder. Um, with all of that said, I will say that there are is some things that you, you can't prove in terms of we don't know things that are behind the scenes. We don't know contracts that didn't get made. We don't know things that were said, all that stuff. I can't make any kind of hard evidence against Bud making this statement. I will say that there was outward conversation from Bob Arum about losing money on Bud Crawford fights. We heard time and time again, Bob Arum bad-mouthing Bud Crawford. It's, it's not a mystery that Bud and Bob didn't like each other. They both said a lot of things to each other and about each other publicly to the press. So there is no love there. Do I think that Bob tried to not promote, under-promote, do a bad job of promoting Bud Crawford? I would say probably didn't want to because the number one thing that Bob cares about more than anything is money. That's all he cares about, I think, ultimately, in my opinion. That's what Bob cares about the most. 
because if Bob can take guys that are boxers that can't speak English and make them into stars like a Manny Pacquiao, hell, even Lomachenko, who could barely speak English three years ago, there's a case to be made that he cares more about making people stars and making money than not trying to do. Now, some people say there's a quote from Bob saying that he has issues promoting black fighters to the urban culture. Apparently, this is something he said about Floyd Mayweather. I can't substantiate that. I don't necessarily know if that was something that was said. Obviously, Floyd, if that was about Floyd, that was a long time ago. But I also don't believe wholeheartedly that Bob is the only person at top rank trying to do promotion. It's a bigger company than that. Okay? This is a really tough and touchy situation, obviously. Because now you have a really bad, bad taste in people's mouth in terms of fans. People are looking at this and claiming you're just trying to make money. And that's the whole reason you're doing this. People are saying that you're crying wolf and that you're like, people are not happy about this. This is not good. Okay. This is not a good look. I will say. If Bud felt this way, then I feel bad for him. Okay. I will say that. If Bud felt as though there's a racial element to why he didn't get certain fights or he didn't get promoted the way he wanted, I feel really bad for him because that sucks, okay? I don't think that a fighter wants to feel that they didn't reach top potential in terms of earnings and fights they could have had based off their race. No one wants that. No one wants that, especially when you have someone that is talented like Bud Crawford. I don't think anyone wants that. So I do feel bad if he does feel that way okay but I will also say this is not the way to go about it this is like the last way I think you should go about it because you're not going to prove this in court it's going to get thrown out you now just burned a serious bridge with a top promoter one of the biggest promoters Granted, a lot of people would say he's not the biggest player at 147 pounds, but I'm going to talk to you in a minute why that's a problem. And depending on who you're going to be dealing with as other promoters, right? Do you think Eddie Hearn wants to promote Terrence Crawford after this? If there's a possibility that Bud says the same thing about him? Probably not. Think Oscar wants to? Probably not. I'm going to assume that that makes you kind of a target for people not to want to work with. Because they're going to say, what if you turn around and try to sue us? Because you don't get the fights you want because you have a really high minimum for your fights. Which Bud, Bud is always the A side. He was getting paid a lot of money for his fights. And that didn't always leave a lot in the pot for his opponents. Made things a little bit difficult. So that leaves PBC. And, and arguably, a lot of people are like, well, that means we could get the Spence fight. We could get, you know, if Keith Thurman wins, there could be a Keith Thurman fight. There's, there's some great elements to this if he goes to PBC. Right? Well, I would say based off the track record of what Bud said in the past about PBC and Al Heyman, maybe Al Heyman doesn't want to work with them. We don't know if that's true. Al Heyman has not really shown a lot of love towards Terrence. Maybe they bear at the hatches and they sign a contract and it's all good, right? And then we get all the fights we want. We get Spence and, and we get more of those fights that we might be interested in. Sure. But you know what could have been a really big money fight? Josh Taylor, undisputed 140-pound champion, comes up to fight Terrence Crawford at 147 pounds. 
That would be a massive fight. Two pound-for-pound pound talents fighting each other. Huge fight. That's never going to happen. Because that's more of a, I mean, that's more even more of a global fight right there. You definitely get the European, UK market wanting that to be a part of what they're watching. They're going to stay up till four in the morning for that. So, do I think this is a good look? No. Do I think this is well handled? No. This is kind of a lose-lose situation, I think, for Terrence. I think he's going to lose in court. I think he's going to lose in terms of possible future promotion. I don't think this is the best way he could have handled this. In my opinion. If you really want to stick it to top rank, what you could have done is went to PBC or Floyd or someone else, and then you could have beaten one of their golden fighters like, like a Josh Taylor. Take all his belts away. Go down to 140, beat him at 140. Go over and just beat the opponents of or the fighters of the promoter that you don't care for. That would do a lot more damage probably than going to court because now you're going to lose in court and you're going to have to pay for it. Because if Bob Arum decides to go for a defamation lawsuit against you and you lose that, you just lost a case and paid your lawyers and now you could lose possibly even more income. Bad situation. Bad situation. Uh, I I hate these kind of topics because it brings out the worst in people in terms of conversations in the boxing community. People get very, very... Uh, I'll say a lot of people have very strong opinions. Obviously. This touches a nerve for a lot of people. I've heard this kind of general saying from people that Bob Arum does not know how to promote quote-unquote urban fighters and whether you agree with that or not I don't think this is the best way to go about dealing with it signing a contract with someone else that you feel like will promote you better and then beating their top fighters is a better way to do it that's That's how I would, if you really want to go after someone's income, that if you really want to get back at someone and as a promoter, that would do a lot better. You know, there is a possibility that if Crawford loses money from a defamation lawsuit and lawyers and all this other stuff, how many fights does he have left? I'll tell you this much. There's certainly going to be people that uh, aren't going to tune in for his fights because of this, because of his pay-per-views. Pay-per-view numbers have not always been great. He probably lost some fans with this. That is the main topic right there. That's my general take on it. Um, I do think that this is not going to end well for Bud. And I think he's going to end up probably losing more money than making any money. And possibly missing out on possible fights. That's, this is, a, like I said, this is a really tough subject. And people are like, oh no, this is 100% true. Like Bud could have been so much bigger. And then people are like, why did he resign? And there's just a lot of conversation around. I want to give my two cents, which is, I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to prove this in court. And on top of that, I think you're probably going to lose money. And if Bob and top rank want to do a defamation lawsuit, you're screwed. And if your other promoters like Eddie Hearn or Oscar De La Hoya, Frank Warren, you might not want to touch Terrence Crawford with a 10 foot pole after this. Maybe PBC is like, Oh, this is a perfect chance for us to get him. Maybe we get him, you know, or, he wants to do his own thing. Probably going to lose some fans in the end, too. 
So not the not the way I would go about it. But then again, I'm not bud. So let's keep talking about welterweight. We have Mario Barrios says Keith Thurman's making a mistake overlooking him. I absolutely agree with this. I think this is a great take. Because I think Barrios knows that right now Keith's out doing press. He's talking a lot about what he wants to do when he wins, how he wants to do everything. Says he wants to fight Terrence Crawford afterwards. And I'm not hearing him talk a lot about the fight that's in front of him. Now, Barrios also said that he believes that Keith Thurman's going to be hungry. He's going to come in there and he's going to try to prove a point. I just think that there could be an upset here. Now, this has also been said that people are, are mentioning that if Keith Thurman loses, it's significantly going to damage his career. It's really going to hurt his career. And some people even call it career ending if he loses. I would probably say with the long layoffs and losing to Manny and everything like that, he's on probably thin ice <laughs> from a promotional standpoint, you know? How long do you want to keep around a guy that maybe fights once every couple years? His fan base is probably dwindling, probably getting tired of him. If he loses to Barrios and if he loses badly, ugh. you know, not good. Not good. I think that if Barrios versus Thurman, the winner of that, um, I think Boots Ennis would be a great person to fight the winner of that. Or, or possibly, possibly the other individual that could step in after the Thurman Barrios fight. And this has been talked about a little bit. Is this man right here, Mr. Virgil Ortiz Jr. Who's fighting on March 19th on zone? McKinston is who he's fighting. I looked him up, kind of did some research on him. This should be easy work. This should be fairly easy work for Ortiz Jr. I think. I think he should have no problem with this fight. I think this is going to be a good little keep busy fight to set up something bigger. I think Boots, I think Virgil Ortiz are going to be licking their chops depending on how Keith Thurman looks against Barrios. Because I think both of them could beat either Barrios or Thurman. They're both young, hungry, Sharp. No question. I think both of them could easily win. So let's say Keith goes out there and he wins, right? But it's not a great performance. You know that both Ortiz and Boots want his name on their resume. It's the perfect, it's the perfect guy to have on your resume. Sean Porter's out of the mix. He's retired now. Doesn't mean he won't come back, but he's less likely to. So I'm I'm willing to bet that both those guys are going to be watching that fight very intensely and very much with a notepad taking notes about what they would love to do if they got in the ring with him. Expect that. Absolutely expect that. Keith Thurman has a bullseye right now on on his back because he is looking weak after after especially that Manny Pacquiao fight. I mean, Manny just crushed him. So now moving up in weight. Okay. This was something I thought that was pretty interesting. Looking at middleweight. Jaime Munguia is looking to face the winner of Triple G versus Murata. I love this fight. I think that Jaime Munguia has now kept Triple G's name 
in his mouth for a while and he's been mentioning him a bunch and at first at first before actually right after the canelo fight second canelo fight i was like mongia you don't want any of that smoke like you don't want any of that smoke from triple g but since then triple g has not looked like triple g and we're gonna see how he looks in this next fight it's gonna be very telling you're looking at a guy that's almost that's pretty much 40 years old with triple g now even that said triple g has an incredible chin and he still hits hard Mongia hits hard and has a really good chin too so it would be a super fun fight regardless I think it's a really fun fight Mongia, I believe is mandatory is a mandatory this would be a hell of a good fight. And I love I just love that this kid's going after going after Mungia is going after Triple G. Love that. Danny Jacobs? Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about him right now. Because this is actually a tough fight. Danny Jacobs fighting John Ryder, man. That's that's going to be a hell of a fight for Danny Jacobs. If the John Ryder that showed up against Callum Smith shows up in this fight, uh, Danny Jacobs probably is going to be done career-wise. Danny Jacobs is, I believe, 34 years old at this point. Close to 35. He doesn't have any prospects in terms of getting a belt. He arguably lost to Gabe Rosado, who just lost to Jaime Munguia. He just doesn't seem to have what it is needed to probably get a belt back. And if he moves up to 168 pounds, I think... I think he gets eaten alive by some of the guys up there. I like Danny Jacobs, but this this fight's going to be big. This is going to be huge for him. Yeah, he has a I mean Danny Jacobs does have a a great chin. But this this is going to be a very interesting fight because I think John Ryder's underrated. I think he's a little bit underrated. So I'm curious about this. I'm curious because if John Ryder wins, it really kind of boosts him up. So I don't know. I, I think that we'll, we will find out where Danny Jacobs at in his career. We'll have a very clear picture based off of what's going on. So, is Canelo staying at 168 pounds? Good question. David Benavidez just said, Canelo must vacate his 168-pound titles if he's not going to fight him at super middleweight. I have no clue what Canelo is going to do. I have no clue what his next fight's going to be. I have no idea if it's going to be cruiserweight, light heavyweight, or he's going to try to stay at super middleweight, or maybe drop down to 160 pounds and fight Charlo, because that's actually the fight that people are talking about the most. That's probably the fight that has been rumored the most. And a lot of people have been saying is it going to be Charlo? It seems like it could be Charlo. 
And that's what the news story's been for Canelo the last week. Problem is, according to Eddie Reynoso, officially, he's not in negotiations for a fight right now. To, so, I, I don't know. I, I, it was the, the narrative's been Charlo for the last week. If there's no, does, does Canelo go down to 160? Because if there's no belt on the line from the other fighter, I question whether or not Canelo even wants to fight for it. I'm going to fight for my belts. I mean, if there's no other belts on the line, I don't know if he's as interested. So what's interesting to your point, Jay, about Benavidez is that the WBC during their meeting, annual meeting, said that Benavidez is the mandatory for the WBC belt at super middleweight. So they're like, you have to... Benavides and Canelo have to fight. Eddie Reynoso then said, we're not going to fight at super middleweight our next fight. We're going to fight at cruiserweight. So we'd like to do that before we fight and and defend our mandatory at, 100, at 168 pounds. And the WBC said, sure. <laughs> now it's all sorts of jumbled up and we don't know. <laughs> Quite honestly, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. The WBC will back whatever Canelo wants to do. Really. I mean, they make a special belt for like every Canelo fight. Do you guys notice that? Every Canelo fight, there's like some kind of special WBC belt. And they always throw it on Canelo. And he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll wear it. What? <laughs> it's, a, it's a black version of a WBC belt. Cool, whatever. Like he just... Like, they absolutely want him to be the face of their belt. That That is a huge part for them. So, they're going to back his play no matter whatever it is. Whatever he wants to do, they're going to be okay with that. Totally okay with that. And I'm not really that surprised. You know? Now, this is another interesting, staying at 168 pounds, talking about something we haven't even really talked about in months. Interesting article came out. Mark Tibbs came out and said that Billy Joe Saunders could have been better, but he cut corners. And I was like, shots fired. I got to read this. I've got to read this. So the bulk of this article was really talking about Tibbs saying that Billy Joe Saunders was special. He's a great fighter, works hard. He's great to have in the gym. He makes everyone laugh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But because he was so skilled, he cut corners. And that ideally, he would have loved to have had him more at 154 pounds. But there was issues, obviously, with Billy Joe making weight. And because of his talent, he felt like, you know, you'd have these off periods outside the ring where he wasn't being as motivated as he could be. Now... I would say that's pretty spot on. I don't I don't disagree with that. Uh could Billy Joe Saunders been better? Yeah, I think he could have. I actually do. Cuz when you see the photos of Billy Joe looking fat, looking like he's not in shape, you know, it 
it definitely makes you as a fan go, is this guy really serious? And when he went to 168 pounds, he just didn't look the same for a long, for a bunch of his fights, he did not look the same. And Jay, exactly what you're saying, man, in chat. It's like, this is something we all knew about Billy Joe, but now we hear it from his, his former trainer, like kind of confirming what we've all, all felt or thought. And I felt, and I've said this so many times, I have videos from two years ago saying this, that Billy Joe staying at 160 pounds was a really, would have been a smarter choice for him. Because he, obviously the, you know, David Lemieux fight was his crown jewel of his career. The biggest moment in his career, he looked untouchable. And Mark Tibbs actually talked about putting Billy Joe in the ring for sparring sessions against guys at every, like various weight classes. And he's like, no one could touch him. Like just no one could land anything on him. He was so slick. So it is a little bit, disheartening to hear that yeah it, it's it is true you know you can always speculate as a fan but to hear it for a kind of like matter of fact oh that's tough it was one of those things where it's like I like Billy Joe's personality a lot I think he's a super skilled fighter but I was just like you can't there's a there's a a, a really kind of classic I think it was Jim Lampley that said this. It was about Chris Ariola fighting Klitschko. And you saw there's all this video of and like kind of moments where you see Chris Ariola like drinking a beer. And they're like, you're getting ready for like your arguably like your biggest fight of your career, and you're out here drinking a beer. And Chris Ariola was like, well, you know, Michael Phelps, you know, smoked pot. So, you know, and it was, and after the fight, Chris Ariola is crying and I gave it my best and he just got crushed. And Jim Lampley had a great quote where he said, you can't be a part-time boxer or fighter when you're fighting a Klitschko. The Klitschko's are 24 7. 24 7, 365 fighters. That's how they are. They are 100% ready to go all the time, always in the gym. You can't be a part time fighter if you're going to fight a Klitschko. It's just, you're never going to beat them. And I do feel that way about Canelo. You can't be a part-time, somewhat serious fighter and beat Canelo. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, that's, that's how I felt when it came to Billy Joe going into that ring. Yeah, don't take fitness fights from Chris Ariel. Although you look pretty good against uh, Ruiz. Now... We basically have to go to heavyweight because there's nothing left in terms of news all that much. But we have some crazy, crazy tweets, actually, that's pretty newsworthy. So purse bid is still continuing for Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. It's been moved now to January 17th or the 18th. Very interesting. I know arbitration is probably going to screw this fight up. But there is talk that... Eddie's working on the arbitration now to see if he can get by it so they can make this fight. I know a lot of people are like, I don't give Dillian White that much chance against Fury. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. But I'd rather Tyson Fury fight Dillian White than for him to fight Hellenius, who's been rumored as a possible opponent for Tyson Fury. I don't want to see that. I'd rather see Dillian White. Dillian White's paid his dues. He deserves his mandatory shot. I'd rather see that. 
I would say the the chance of this fight happening, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White, if I'm being quite honest, I would give it maybe a 35, 40% chance at max of it happening. You know, I honestly don't think that it's going to. I think arbitration is going to get in the way. I really think that's what's going to happen. And Tyson Fury is just going to say, I'm not going to fight for the WBC belt. I'm going to fight. I'm just going to fight anyways. And I'm going to fight Planius. Or I'm going to fight someone that's a fairly easy touch for me. So I can stay busy. I can stay relevant. And then I can fight the winner of probably Usyk versus Fury in the fall. And make a ton of money and try to become undisputed. That's what I think is probably going to happen. I would love it to be this, but I just don't see it happening. It could but I, I have to agree there there's just there's a lot of hurdles there there's a lot of hurdles there possibly for it to happen this popped up and I was kind of pissed off when I saw this pop up Jarrell Miller went to a spot was in a big sparring session with Marius Wack now I don't care about Marius Wack at all like whatever he's he's a Large dude, big dude, old. I mean, he's getting up there in age. But they're talking about Jarrell Miller coming back in 2022 and boxing again. And nothing is more disgusting to me than a guy like Jarrell Miller, who's not only been a drug cheat, but a multiple times drug cheat and never really been truly punished. Now you could say, well, it's been a couple years. He got dropped by Bob Arum. And, no, I'm sorry. He got dropped by Eddie Hearn and then he was going to get picked up by Bob Arum and then he got dropped. Like you could make all these kind of things. But honestly, I think he should be banned. He should be banned from boxing. I don't want to see Jarrell Miller fight. And if he fights, I want him to get absolutely smashed because I dislike him that much. For those of you that maybe don't remember Jarrell Big Baby Miller, his claim to fame was he threw he would throw a ton of punches in his fights, like a lot of punches, like way more punches than he should be capable of throwing. Because he weighed over 300 pounds. And him and Anthony Joshua got in quite the little tussle at the announcement of DAZONE. Big Baby started mouthing off to Josh. Josh, <laughs> AJ's like, who are you talking to? I'm a champion. And Big Baby's like, I want, like, you're nothing. You're a steroid cheat, actually. Funny enough. And Eddie Hearn's like, perfect. We got already got like, this is perfect. This will be AJ's first fight in the US. It'll be against Big Baby Miller. And it was perfect. And then he got popped hot for like four different things and boom was off the card and that's how Andy Ruiz got his shot and has now elevated himself to top 10 heavyweight and let me tell you the funniest video I think it's still around I think it might still be on his social media is if you go to Darrell, Darrell Miller hasn't tweeted anything in two, three years. Um, he hasn't put anything on social media. He's like really laid low. You go to his Instagram. I believe there's a video of him after the Andrew Ruiz AJ fight, the first one. And he's just going like this, like head and hand, 
face and like just face palming being like that could have been me okay we're gonna talk wilder and then we're gonna do tweets of the week so Deontay Wilder in this article they say he has three viable fights options he has Andy Ruiz is Anthony Joshua or he has Usyk I would disagree with this article because I think there's Joe Joyce, Michael Hunter. I mean, there's there's multiple, there's multiple people that I would think, I mean, Hellenius would be a good fight for him. Kalnaki would be a nice light touch. You know, there's talk of Chizora. Chizora fighting Wilder. Hell, he could fight Parker, but Parker Parker seems interested in having an Andy Ruiz rematch, actually, funny enough, as his next fight. There's Philip Hergovich, who's a mandatory, who wants to, want, or a part of Eliminator that no one's picked up. So, I, I really feel like there's, there's opportunities here for Wilder if he comes back. He hasn't announced any retirement, so you have to remember, like, there's no, there's nothing stopping Wilder from retiring technically. But you know, I, I, I have to agree with you. I don't see Wilder fighting Joshua or Usyk next year. Obviously, the loser of that next fight. I don't see that happening. If somehow, let's say Joshua wins, let's say he beats Usyk, they are going to have a rubber match. They're going to have a third fight. It would be criminal of them not to have a third fight. It would be criminal of them to not have a third fight if AJ beats Usyk. There's just no way. So that's definitely going to happen. Now, if Usyk beats Joshua, you think Joshua wants to fight right after fighting Usyk, fight Wilder? Probably not. <laughs> It's a pretty risky fight. If he did, I mean, he I, more power to him. I'd give him tons of props for that. But that's a dangerous fight. That's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous fight for AJ if he just if he just lost to Usyk. Mind you, AJ has a new training team. So So, oh yeah, AJ getting trained by Floyd. I mean, they're they haven't announced who AJ's officially getting trained by yet. He's he's been shopping around. He's been shopping around. There's there's video of him with Virgil Hunter. There's video of him with multiple trainers. He stopped by Eddie Renault. So AJ is shopping around. We're gonna find out officially who's training him for the rematch with Usyk. But I have to imagine if I'm gonna if I'm promoting Wilder, right? What's the best way to get Wilder kind of back on track, right? Put him in there with someone that he can hit. So who's at the PBC that could be hit? What about Frank Sanchez? Frank Sanchez, not big enough of a name, if I'm honest with you. I just don't feel like Sanchez is big enough of a name yet. And he looked really bad in his last fight. Against, uh, against Hammer. He just did not look very good. I think if you're if you're Wilder, you have some options. But then again, who knows? Maybe Wilder's just like, I'm not into it, man. I think it's good that he's taking some time, though. Okay. Now we're moving to tweets of the week and boy oh boy Bradis decided that he was gonna go into a tattoo shop hold on let me today we make some crazy things let's go and see what's happening Jay I don't need new friends, I don't like fake 
friends only here to make ends. Come on to check in. I don't like partial. Need to hold back in. Fresh out of London, she still got an axe. The crew like a palace. I took her the fastest. If he want a feature, then we got a tax. This is very legit. So, the actual tattoo's not a bad. I got something for you. Not a bad tattoo, actually. Hey, dear. Oh, no, sorry. Jay. Now is your turn. I'll leave the house that I'm wearing some shit you can't get, and I swear this shit kind of. Kicks bad karma, and it looks like kind of like a deer. Um, I guess there's, I guess there's a karma tattoo on the neck. <laughs> I know it's playing his music too. So I'll I'll show you guys a little bit more. The here's the tattoo. They they zoom in on it, right? Um, it's not the worst tattoo. It's kind of cool actually, style wise. I actually don't mind the style of it. <laughs> uh, I was I was waiting this whole stream to show this to Tall Kid, but I don't think he's here anymore. Um. This is kind of like a cool style. I kind of dig it as a tattoo guy. Uh, but man. Uh, this is this is not a good look. You, <laughs> this is not a good look by Bradis at all. Calling out Jake Paul by getting a Jake Jake's bad karma tattoo with like some kind of deer, it looks like. Oh, I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, from what I understand, Jake hasn't responded. I responded to it. <laughs> um, no response from Jake, which I'm not surprised about. But my goodness, I, I, I'm a little shocked by it, a little shocked by it. But I saw that and I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, let's see if I can get this all. I have to find the Tyson Fury. Okay, Tyson Fury. This is the big news in kind of social media for boxing. This has been, this has been something I did not expect to have happen this week. You know what I can't believe? That AJ has gone and give Ukraine all the heavyweight belt back after all my hard work and believing up. You big useless dosser. You've let a little steroid ban come up from middleweight and set about you and take all your belts. <laughs> it's gonna have to take a real British Lancaster bomber like me to go and relieve the useless little steadhead of the belts and get them back to Britain. You useless dotters, honestly, bring them to me. The Wajitsi King, bring them to me. And I'll put them in the place. I'll relieve them of the belts again. You know what? So Tyson Fury makes this video, right? Um, and then on top of that, he makes this tweet which says explaining the current heavyweight division to non-boxing people is a real treat. So yeah, the guy in the middle beat the other two guys. And it's a picture of Tyson Fury when he was like fat. And on the right is Klitschko looking cut. And, <laughs> and Wilder on the left looking jacked as well. So Tyson Fury's just shooting shots out here. Oh, for everyone's bow. Well, Klitschko did not take too kindly to this and had to respond. And he hits back. And he says, uh, at Tyson Fury, we, <laughs> you live in a glass house and someone needs to take away your stones. Wasn't long ago before <laughs> our fight where you actually tested positive. Anyone can Google it. Keep it classy. Ooh. Oh, so Klitschko fires back and then 
To which Tyson Fury then also shoots back and says, pity that someone can't be you as you could even land a shot in 12 rounds bum. And now granddad time has taken you away at Usyk and you together could never beat a man like me. Woo. So <laughs> I'm not going to try to do it in Tyson Fury's voice. So Tyson Fury's just been trolling, trolling hard and accusing Usyk of steroids. Boy, oh boy. I have to say, I did not see this coming this week. But this was entertaining. As you guys saw, this video of him, the initial call out, has 375,000 views. <laughs> He's getting closer. Probably by this weekend, it'll be 400,000 views. So, good way to keep your name relevant. Good way to keep your name relevant. Now, <laughs> I didn't ex I, I, I didn't expect that. Tyson Fury has this weird duality to him. He'll have moments where he's like really nice to other boxers and he'll be like, you know, you tried your best. You, it didn't work out. Come again, kind of thing. Um... And then there's other moments like this where Tyson Fury just goes off on people. And it's just like, um, so yeah, he called it. He said, you let a steroid middleweight, meaning Usyk, <laughs> come up from middleweight and beat you. And I'm just like, wow, these are bold claims from Tyson Fury. Um, he certainly keeps things interesting. Now, while we're talking about Klitschko and Klitschko tweets, Klitschko had this one um, and he said, I don't believe in the best you. I believe in the next you. And I was like, okay, um, you know, whatever. Maybe not the best comment, you know, kind of a little bit uh, boomerish. But I saw this, and this, this was the best comment of the week on Twitter, which was, live every moment, laugh every moment, laugh beyond. Because it's very much, it's very much something you would see in a Midwestern, on a Midwestern couch, just... You know, sewn onto a pillow. Very, very funny. Very funny. Um, <laughs> I have to say this was hilarious. Because it, it's quite it's quite the boomer tweet from, from Klitschko. Quite the boomer tweet. Now, I wanted to show this. Which is... I'll tell you what, man. I think I was wrong a little bit about this guy because this is this is a video of Cambosis, man. And he is looking he's looking good, man. He's looking fast. He's looking sharp. And uh man, those double-ended bags are very, very very unforgiving. <laughs> so I'm kind of impressed. He's he's been keeping it pretty pretty active in the gym. Good for him, you know. He clearly wants to defend his title. I I'm very like I said, I think he's going to be probably fighting Haney. Haney's probably most likely the individual I see it happening. So That's probably the individual I'm I'm picturing him fighting, but he looks pretty good. Now, we had to get to the to the absolute dawn of tweets of the week, being the former the boxer formerly known as Rolly. First, Rolly says, "Honestly, DAZN in general can suck my fat black rooster emoji." 
and his cheap-ass network right afterwards. So, clearly, Roly doesn't care much for DAZN. And then, this might be my favorite tweet of the week, and that's from Roly saying, Somebody needs to bitch slap Chris Mannix's ugly ass. And I had, I retweeted this, actually. And I was like, you know what? I don't always agree with Roly, but this is actually a absolute fire take. Like, this is a great take from him. I did not expect that. I love, I love this right here. Who are you looking forward to seeing in the ring this year? And he put the boxer formerly known as Roly versus Tank. Oh my God. I This is my favorite here. I am a symbol of freedom, purity, and love. The boxer, <laughs> quoting the boxer formerly known as Roly. Says, you know, I'm quitting boxing. I'm become a, I'm becoming a painter. To which, then people kind of started memeing about. Said, I am a painter, and we end with a, <laughs> a bras version of Roly. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. Roll. It's only January, and Rolly already has a whole story arc. Amazing, amazing. And yet again, he just absolutely delivers, man. Absolutely delivers. So good, so good. You just listened to Glove Talk boxing news that we do every Wednesday. This is the audio version. If you want to see the live version, you can either join us on YouTube or on Twitch. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll be back next Wednesday with more boxing news.